Good morning, church. How we doing? Hope you're doing well. Welcome to the 930 service. Hey, I want to mention a couple things if I can uh, in regards to the video. We are starting a fresh round of Next Steps next Sunday. So if you've been maybe coming for a while or maybe you've been coming for a long while and you've decided, hey, I want to get connected. I want to know more about the church. I want to get involved in the life of the church. Then that's the place for you to be. So next Sunday at this time in the lobby, we're going to start Next Steps. So we invite you to, to participate in that. Uh, if you go to our sermon notes uh, that we have for you this morning, you can sign up right from there. I also want to mention next Sunday, we're going to just celebrate groups a little bit. We're launching our fall semester of groups, so feel free to wear your favorite jersey next Sunday if you want. Uh, if you do NCAA football, you have to wear Georgia Bulldogs, uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, if you want to do NFL or something, you can do whatever you want, but that's just for NCAA. Just kidding. It's okay. Uh, and, but, but the real thing that I really want to promote, that's, that's you do not want to miss this. I know we say that from time to time about a particular series or about a particular event. You really, really, really need to be here on September 13th. Say that date with me. September 13th, turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss it. You need to be there. You know, we were talking about, um, talking about this new series that we're doing in September, which really is going to be a vision casting series about who we are who we're going to be, what are we going to do for the next decade? We have a plan for that. It's a rather robust vision that I'm really excited about, but we, we're also changing the vision of our church. We're, giving, we're putting a fresh vision out there, and we're going to present it to you on September 13th. So this is one that you want to be there for. We've not changed our vision in 20-something years. So this is a Sunday that you do not want to miss, and quite frankly, the whole series is really going to be a, a critical component of who we are, and who we feel like God has called us to be. So if you got it, say, I got it. All right, make sure you're there. Hey, we're finishing up our series today, uh, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. I'm going to very, very quickly just recap the series this morning before we finish it off today. Uh, like I said, we do have sermon notes available for you. So if you go to the Liberty Church app, click on Milton, and then click Sunday Notes. Everything that's on the screen you can see on your phone today. You can interact with it. You can take notes there. And then at the very end, you can email it to yourself. Um, so feel free to take advantage of that. But as we've done this series, we've, we've, we've basically been trying to answer this question, what do I do when I'm not sure what the way forward is? You know, whether it's circumstances that you're in or, or decisions that need to be made or, or just a challenging season of life, sometimes we come to the conclusion, I'm not quite sure what to do. So that's the question that we've been answering each week, and we talked first and foremost about the importance of when you don't know what to do, the first thing is to fix your eyes on Jesus, so to find that fixed point, to make it Jesus, and to stay there. And then the next week, we talked about the importance of not just contributing to community or getting around to becoming a part of community, but actually fighting for community, because we've been in a season where our circumstances and the things we've had to do, the precautions we've had to take, are actually pushing us away from being drawn together into community. So we made the statement that we need to fight for community. We need to do it together. We were never meant to do life alone. And then we talked about uh, this, this concept that Scripture tells us about if we draw near to God, He draws near to us. Meaning that we take that first move, that we draw near to him, and then in response, he draws near to us. We talk specifically about how that works. How do we actually do that? And then last week, we talked about the reality that we're all holding on to something. 
That's just human nature that you, you want to grab onto something that makes you feel comfortable, safe, secure. And we talked last week about the importance of holding on to the right thing. There's a lot of things that we can hold on to, a lot of things that we can place our hope in. And what we discussed is that if you place your hope in anything else but Jesus, you'll be disappointed. So we talked about holding on to Jesus, holding on to hope. And here we are today closing it out with Hebrews 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I think it's pretty common to read this verse and just to think, okay, what, what's being said here, what Paul is telling us to do is to encourage one another, right? Like we just need to be encouraging we need to lift people up. That's what it's all about. And that's true for the most part. It is true that we, we like to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged. Like, it's nice to be around people who are intentionally making an effort to lift you up and to encourage you. But I'm actually convinced that there's a lot more to that verse than just the simple uh, reality of needing to encourage people. I want to give you an example. Anybody ever wrote a really heartfelt, articulate text message before. You know, you're really just pouring your heart into this thing. You're expressing some concerns to your friend. You're talking about maybe some prayer needs that you have, and you're just putting it all out there. And really what you're wanting is you're wanting some encouragement. You're wanting for someone just to kind of respond and say, yeah, I, I, know, what, I know what that's like. I, I know how you're feeling. Yes, I'll go ahead and pray over these needs. And then you get this response that just says, okay, okay. And some of us have been guilty of receiving that huge message and we just, okay, right? Or, or here's, what, here's what's worse. Maybe that didn't do it for you. Here's what's worse. When you actually write the message and then they have it turned on where you can see when they read it. So you see that they read it at 10.55 a.m. and it's 4 in the afternoon and they haven't responded yet. And you're like, I know you read that message and you didn't respond to me at all. Or yet, what's even worse, you see the bubble thing pop up. And you know that they're working on something and they're typing something out. And then it goes away. And then it comes back again. And then it goes away. And then there's one of these moments where it goes up there for a really long time. And you're like, man, they're really going to write something good here. I'm waiting to see what the response is going to be to the cry of my heart. And then eventually that real long one goes away as well. And then you don't hear anything back, right? Like I'm just having some fun. But the reality is we're a, we're a people who need to be encouraged. We need people to, to speak into our lives and to help us. And that's just, it's just a felt need that we have. And so as I read this scripture, I thought about this concept of encouraging people. And I, I thought about that word spur, which is an interesting word. So I went back and looked at it. And I'm like, okay, what does this word actually mean? Because maybe, what if we're missing something here in this verse? And when you look at the original word for this, you find something a little different. It says stimulation, provocation. Even irritation. And it actually can be used as a word to describe an angry dispute. So I saw that. I'm like, okay, that's interesting because I think we read that verse and we think, yeah, we're just supposed to encourage people, right? But the actual word says stimulate, provoke, irritate. So as I thought about spur, I thought about the spurs where you kick the horse in the side. And then I thought about one that really kind of resonated with me a little bit. 
is, uh, this is a modern-day cattle prod, by the way, if you're wondering what this is. And what you do is you put a little electrical charge on the one side, and then I, I guess what you do is a, you have a very large animal in front of you that needs to move, that needs to do something, needs to go somewhere. So you just, you just kind of put it up to them, and you electrocute them uh, just to get them going a little bit. And I just think about spur and, and stimulate, provoke, maybe a little bit of irritation. I don't know that we think about it that way when we read that scripture because we understand encouragement, but maybe we don't quite understand exactly what the scripture is telling us about how to actually really encourage, how to push people forward, how to, how to stimulate, how to provoke, and how to ultimately get people to fulfill their purpose. So I want to just mention three things today. I, obviously, there's a, I think there's a greater meaning to this verse than just to simply encourage, and that is a part of it. But I think there's more to it. So if you, if you want to take notes, I encourage that. I'm going to give you three things today that I think will really help us in this desire, this need to not only fight for community, but to actually like get into relationships with each other, relationships that actually are life-changing, that are life-giving, and actually help us to move forward in our life. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, the first thing that I think we need to do is initiate. Initiate. So maybe you're thinking, okay, what, what does initiate have to do with all of this? Uh, just encourage when it comes to encouraging people and, and going into relationships, what does initiate have to do with this? I want to read you a scripture from Proverbs 10. And it says, idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. I think we read that scripture and we, th we say, okay, this is just about money. All right, this, it's just about money. If I'm lazy, if I'm not willing to do the work, it leads to poverty. But if I, if I have diligent hands, if I'm a hard worker, if I put my hands to the plow, if I go out and do something, it brings about wealth. And I would say, yes, it is about money to a certain extent, but I actually think there's more to it than that. There's actually a principle that's given here. And it's the principle of initiative. So if I were to change this around a little bit and say, if, if someone is not really making effort or not really trying to build and to grow their relationships, it leads to a deficit in relationships. But someone who's actually, who initiates, who actually is seeking relationships, who's actually trying to get into doing life with other people so that there can be encouragement, so that there can be a spurring on, they'll find a wealth of relationships. And I know for many of us, some of us are extroverts, some of us are introverts, some of us are really comfortable in a room full of people we don't know, and it's easy for us to just go up and to meet them and to, and to maybe get into a relationship with them. But for some of us, we're introverted. For some of us, we're not comfortable with that. For some of us, it is a struggle. And I can appreciate that struggle, but what I want to say to you is that if, if we want to have these kind of relationships where we're spurring each other on and where we're lifting each other up and encouraging one another, you're going to have to initiate a little bit. Matthew seven twelve says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Like so many things, the order matters. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, you first. Do unto others what you'd have them to do unto you. So if you're looking for a meaningful relationship, if you're looking for a friendship, if you're looking for someone who can encourage you and to lift you up, you're going to have to go get it. 
You're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone and say, you know what, I don't really know if this is going to work out. I don't really know if I'm going to like this small group. All I was able to do is read a description. I don't know if these people are crazy. I don't know if they're going to be annoying. I don't know what it's going to be like. But you know what, I'm going to take the initiative and I'm going to go do it because I know that I'm not meant to do life alone. I know that I'm meant to be in relationships with other people. So I'm going to initiate so that I can have the kind of relationships that I need in my life. The second thing that I want us to consider this morning is this concept of inspire. So we talked about initiate. I want to talk for just a minute about inspire. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting thing to do is to inspire people, right? You can have a group of people who aren't necessarily motivated. They're not necessarily on task. They're not necessarily all about trying to move forward. But you have this person who can come in, who can inspire them to greatness, who can inspire them to take action and to do something. That's a skill set that we all need when we're trying to spur one another on and encourage one another. So I think about the most amazing uh, college football team that ever existed, period, the Georgia Bulldogs, all right? Let's just think about that for a moment. Just soak in that. And the, the reality is we've not really been able to get the job done over the past few years. We've been the number one recruiting class for two years straight. We have four and five stars like there's no tomorrow. But for some reason, we just can't get across the finish line. And I started to think about, okay, well, if you've got the best players and you've got the best recruiting class, why can't you get the job done? I think there's something to be said about how people are being coached, how people are being inspired. You can have really talented people on your team at work. You can have really talented people in your, in your circle. You can have talented people around you on, the, on your team, at the church, when you're serving, whatever the case may be. You can have great people around you, but if you don't know how to inspire them and actually how to lead them towards something exciting, you're not going to see people fulfill their full potential. And in the kingdom of God, he's all about restoring people and actually helping them to reach their God-given potential. So we need people who know how to inspire, who know how to just find something in someone that's significant and then just say it to them and, and, and express it to them and, and, and to motivate them. You know, we this is where we get into scriptures about encouraging, and this will, for the most part, will resonate in first. Thessalonians 5.11, it says, encourage one another and build each other up. So it's this idea of speaking life to people, is, is speaking things that, that encourage them, speaking things about them that help them to see the potential that they have. And then Hebrews 3.13 even goes so far as to say, exhort one another daily. Not, not just once a week, not when I get around to it, not periodically. This is a daily need to, to lift people up and encourage each other daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin, sin's deceitfulness. How many of you know you have an enemy who wants, to, who wants to mess with you, who wants to tell you lies, who wants you to be discouraged? So he has this way of trying to influence you to think, I don't really have something to offer. I don't really have a lot of gifts to use. I don't really have the ability to do something significant. So what is actually needed is for people like us who love each other and who care for each other to daily inspire and encourage one another. And then in Galatians 6, 2, it, 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 we're, we're taught to bear one another's burdens. Which means, hey, things might be going really great for you, but when your brother or your sister is struggling, when they're mourning, when they have a, a really difficult situation, actually the best thing to do is, to, is to, to mourn with them. So when they're hurting, you're hurting. 
And when you're hurting, they're hurting. When you're celebrating, they're celebrating. When they're celebrating, you're celebrating. It's this idea of just being together. Being together in this and, and encouraging one another. You know, sometimes it's actually more important to just give somebody the gift of your presence than what you can say. You know, I remember when I first started uh, pastoring and I didn't have a clue what I was doing and I had, I had to try to figure out how to pastor people. So I, I, I'm doing these hospital visits or somebody who's about to have surgery or somebody who's been injured and I'm like, okay, I got to go into this room. I've probably never met them before and I got to say something epic. I got to say something that's going to make them feel like it's okay that they're going into surgery, that it's okay that they just shattered their kneecap or whatever the case might be. I got to say something significant. And what I quickly learned is that it's not really about what you say at all because I said some really dumb things. But what ultimately mattered is that they were just encouraged by me being with them and saying, hey, you're hurting, I'm hurting with you. Or, or to be with someone, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm facilitating their wedding, and I'm there with them facilitating this wedding, and I'm like, hey, you're celebrating, I'm celebrating with you. It's this concept of we do life together, we, we hurt together, we mourn together, we celebrate together. This is how we spur one another on. We need to initiate. We need to inspire you know, one of the things that I've mentioned to our leadership team around here a lot is because part of being a leader is that you need to identify other leaders. Part of being a leader is developing other leaders, and that's something that I would invite everybody to be a part of because I think everybody has the potential to be a leader if they're willing to do the work. And what we say around here is, hey, when you, when you see something in someone, when you see something good, when you see a behavior that, that really points towards uh, potential and success and something that's really great, you need to say it. Because a lot of times we think good things about people and we notice good things about people, but oftentimes it doesn't work its way all the way to coming out and actually blessing them. When you see it, say it. If you see someone who's got a gift, and you're like, hey, hey, I, I see a gift in you. I, I don't know if you realize this, but you've got a gift of, of, of being hospitable to people. You have this way of making them feel welcome and making them feel comfortable. And that's a big deal in the kingdom of God because there's always people coming in to find out if this is something that they want to be a part of. I see a gift in you. I see a calling on your life, and I want to affirm it. I want to call it out. Hey, when you, when you ministered to so-and-so, when you prayed with them, when you were spending time with them, I just want you, I hope you realize how encouraging that was to them. I think you've got a gift of, of just being with people and praying with people and I want to just affirm that in you. When, you when you see something you need to say something one disclaimer I need to make is this is I'm speaking about positive things in people not necessarily the negative ones so fellas this does not ring true for your wife do not be when you see something negative you don't necessarily have to say it but when you see something in someone when you when you have an opportunity to encourage someone Take advantage of it. Step out. This is how you inspire people. Seeing what they bring to the table and calling it out and affirming it. And then the last thing would be this, and this is probably one of the more important, is this idea of instructing. Instruct. So we talked about, hey, initiate. You need to get out there and get in the game with some relationships. Number two, you need to inspire people. You need to learn how to inspire people, which really comes down to just seeing the good things in people and calling out and telling them that they can do it. But the last thing is, is instructing people. Instructing people. This may or may not be earth-shattering news to you, but we as, as human people, we don't have it figured out. 
we don't really have everything figured out, maybe the way that sometimes that we feel like we do. We, we need to be instructed. We need to be coached. We need to be criticized. We need to be corrected. And correction can really only be received and given within the context of a healthy relationship. And in Hebrews 5, in terms of instructing people, it actually says in Hebrews 5, 12, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. See, because here's what I think happens. We, we find Jesus, we, we, we begin to uh, move into his kingdom, we begin to become disciples, so we're learning and we're growing and we're reading and we're praying and we're learning lessons and oftentimes we're learning lessons the hard way and we, over a, over a period of time, we, we get discipled. But then I think what happens is we get to this point where we're like, okay, what's next? Where do I go from here? I feel like I've hit that ceiling. Now how do I, how do I, how do I break through that ceiling? How do I get to this next level? And that's when we, we begin to pursue so heavily just more knowledge, more learning, more understanding that we actually get ourselves into a place where we're like, I just don't know what else I can do. I don't really feel fulfilled. I don't really feel challenged. I'm not really going anywhere. And we get stale and we get complacent and we begin to exist. And I think it's because we're missing one of the most important components about the kingdom of God is once you become a disciple, it doesn't say just continue to be the most amazing, epic disciple anyone's ever seen. It actually says go make them. Multiplication. If you want to know what the, the pinnacle of spiritual maturity is, it's when you can actually reproduce yourself. When you can actually begin to multiply leaders and multiply people who can function in the kingdom of God. And I think if we're, if we're in this camp where we've been doing this for a while, it's gotten a little repetitive, it's gotten a little redundant, there's a good chance it's because we haven't actually learned the concept of, okay, you've been given a lot, you've, you've received a lot. It's time for you to start pouring out. It's time for you to start facilitating this to other people. One of the most satisfying and fulfilling things you can do is to lead and to coach somebody into the potential that you saw in them. Talking about instructing. And for those of us who need to be on the receiving end sometimes, which is all of us, Proverbs 12 makes it very clear. Those who love instruction, love to be corrected, love to be given feedback, love to be told when they're wrong, they love knowledge, they love wisdom. But if you hate correction, if you don't receive it, if you don't want it, if you don't think you need it, it's stupid. I don't even feel like I should say that word, but it's in Scripture. Don't get mad at me. Foolishness is someone who says, I don't need to be corrected. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I don't need you to tell me I need to change. Now, it is important that we actually build meaningful relationships before we start doing things like this. You do need to have a, a, a relationship with someone where there's trust and there's, there's love. And, and, and Jesus teaches us to to communicate to people and love people with being full of grace and truth. So I'm not saying to be a jerk, but what I am saying is that 
we need to be in relationships with people to the degree that we can begin to instruct one another, that we can begin to develop one another, that we can give honest feedback to each other. I mean, we've been told to love like Jesus, and Hollywood may depict a version of Jesus who's very soft-spoken and would never step on anybody's toes. But Revelation 3 happens to say, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So do you love somebody enough to tell them when they're wrong? Will, will you be willing to love somebody enough to say, hey, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't good. Hey, I'm concerned about this. And to get to that place, you've got to have meaningful relationships, which means you have to initiate you have to have a, a, a degree of respect and, and rapport with this person by inspiring them, but ultimately the goal would be that we help each other, that we spur one another on to reach the full potential that we have. And my concern would be that we have this church culture that if we're not careful, we have this church culture where everybody just plays nice. Everybody's just highly blessed and favored of the Lord. Nothing's ever wrong. Nobody's ever struggling. Nobody ever has an issue. Nobody ever gets frustrated with anybody else. Because for some reason, somewhere along the line, we decided it's better for us to just all play nice and pretend like everything's okay than actually grow and to get better and to become a, a closer disciple of Jesus. So I think deep down we all know, like, yeah, we need to be corrected. Yeah, we need to, we need to be told when we're wrong. We need to learn. We need to grow but the missing component in the middle of all of it is, well, where's the relationships that we're going to afford you the opportunity to do it? And, and weekend services, these are really important. I mean, we do it once a week. We really believe in weekend services. We believe in coming together and worshiping together and praying and to hearing a message about the, the, the word of the Lord. But ultimately, it's not enough. You need relationships. You need people in your life who, who know who you really are. See, you can be anonymous in these rows. Nobody really knows what you're going through. Nobody really knows the issues that you have. But when you get into a group with somebody and you get into a relationship and they start finding out that you're not as good as maybe you kind of presented and you begin to take off that mask and say, this is who I really am, that's when life change begins to happen. That's when walls begin to come down. That's when people really begin to get healed. That's when they begin to be able to work through their issues together with other people and they find that, whoa, I'm actually really growing now. I'm, I'm actually growing, I'm learning, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards the purpose that God has for me. And that's my heart for you, is to be someone who initiates, who inspires, who instructs. A group of people who do life together, who spur one another on. And sometimes spurring feels really good, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the spurring is, hey, you need to, you got to get going. So let's bow our heads for just a moment, and I just, I just want to give the Lord a moment to just do some, do some work in our heart. Although this was one message, that I believe that there is a specific message for every single person in this room that God is delivering to you. He's speaking to you, and He wants you to respond to it. So I want you to have a moment with God this morning. You know, maybe you're in the room, and God's saying, hey, 
You need relationships. Stop, stop going on it. Stop going alone. Or maybe he's saying, man, I really want you to, I want you to be a life-giving person who inspires. I want you to become an encourager. I want when, when, you, when you start walking towards somebody, I want them to be excited because they know you're going you're gonna to inspire them. You're going to encourage them. Or maybe he's saying, hey, it's time for you to lead the group, not just to join the group. It's time for you to start pouring into other people. Now, with all of that said, if you're in here this morning and maybe what you feel God saying to you is that he's, he's inviting you into a relationship with him, maybe you don't have one. The most important critical relationship you'll ever have is a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have that, you don't have much else. So maybe you're in here this morning and you, you feel God just making it very real to you that there's no relationship there. There's, maybe there's not been a time where you've accepted Jesus. Maybe you've, you've never actually surrendered your life to him before and you feel that he's tugging on your heart. This is your moment. It's very easy to do, but it's a very profound choice that must be made is whether you will or you will not accept Jesus. The Bible's very clear about how to do that. It just simply says in Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to pray the perfect prayer. You don't have to say it just right. All you have to do is just confess with your mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you have the power to forgive me of my sins, to restore me, to save me. I give you my life. I believe that you're alive today. I want to know you. I want to I be in a relationship with you. You just need to pray that prayer this morning. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you would say that you've had a relationship with God before, but it's gone cold, it's gone dry, you've walked away, you're a, you're a prodigal son or a daughter that, that desperately needs to come home. So maybe you need to rededicate your life to Jesus this morning. I want to pray for everyone, but more importantly, I want you to pray your own prayer. I want you to make your own decision this morning what you're going to do with what God has spoken to you today. So Lord Jesus, we, we come before you and we just say yes to what you're saying to us. We are willing. We are ready. We, we thank you, Lord, that, that you love us, but you also will challenge us. You will lovingly correct us because you're more concerned about our development and our character than about just our comfort. So we ask for you to do a work in our hearts this morning, Lord Jesus, to, to adjust some things, to challenge us, to help us to move in the right direction, to help us to get back on top of the things that you have for us. If we're going to spur one another on, we got to be in relationship first. So I pray specifically over our relationships, the ones we already have, but the ones that we've yet to have. Thank you for what you're doing. I pray that this message would resonate with us, that it would help us to make the right decisions moving forward, 
so that ultimately we, we can do what you've called us to do, what you've put us on this earth to do, which is make disciples, ch- uh, change lives through the kingdom of God. So we thank you for what you're doing. We celebrate you this morning. We worship you, Jesus, because of what you've done for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's worship Jesus for just a second. Put your hands together.